0: hello and welcome back to another episode of the some sort of miracle podcast i'm ed and i'm here today with lauren hello with emily hello and with nick hello and today we are talking about the bible And it's another huge topic. I feel like I say that every episode, don't I? Just talk about everything being a huge topic. But yeah, that's what we like to do. We like to pick up huge topics and just ask our questions. And we've actually got a space for you to ask your questions as well. So if you're listening to this and you think, actually, I'd love to carry on the conversation, I'd love to, um, you know, give my thoughts or hear other people's experiences, then perhaps you'd like to join our listener group on Facebook so if you go onto Facebook and search SSOM Listener Group, you'll find that there. And hopefully we can carry on the conversation there. So our icebreaker question today is what is your favorite book of the Bible and why? Ooh,
1: no one wants to go first.
0: No. What's one. yours, Ed? Oh, have I got to go first? I never have to go first. <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna actually I'm glad I'm going first was I'm gonna take um, any of the gospels can i just say that any of the the four no okay cop out i'll I'll go luke i'll go luke (laughs) um and i think you know we're recording this in easter week i mean holy week and um at the moment that just seems i know that's a real cop-out answer isn't it but just reading that story of jesus and kind of the crucifixion it's one of those stories that every time you read it you can see something different in it can't you and it's yeah, I I feel like I actually don't have a grasp on what's going on there. And part of me loves that part of me loves like the mystery of actually like trying to grasp at something that is beyond me. Um, and yeah, there's, there's so much in, in that story that, yeah, I just, it never gets old. So that is going to be mine.
2: Nice. I think I'll tag onto the back of that because I'd say probably Matthew, because it's fairly, fairly Jesus heavy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously you've got the story recorded in there as well, but I just like, yeah, just seeing his interactions with people and, yeah, ch- trying to understand a little bit more about where he was coming from and the kind of people who are speaking to. It's a good good place to start.
0: I'm worried that the next two answers are going to be Mark and John now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, absolutely. I'm, I was going to say Mark's Gospel to begin with, simply because... Um, we do a study of that at school with the students it's a brilliant Mm. possible for them to to learn about and because of the teachings of Jesus in it but actually um and and it's it changes sort of dependent you know it's seasonal isn't it which is your favorite book of the Bible so uh, but I'm gonna say actually probably Acts. I think the like revolutionary way of living Lauren's looking at me now uh, um to say I've just stolen that from her um but yeah, just the revolutionary way that they live after the death and resurrection. They, you know, they're living in like upside down, world changing sort of ways of having community and the way that the early church was born. And I think that is really exciting. So I'm, I'm going Axe. Sorry. Yeah, mine was going to be Axe uh, just because of like the fast-pacedness of it and mm-hmm. just
3: the excitement and the um, the unpredictability of it. Um, but then also the, the ways that we can just like learn so much from it I just love Acts as well Um, so it was either going to be Acts or the other gospel wasn't it let's be fair yeah
0: yeah Acts is a great one it's got so many just great stories in it as well I'm I think it it's one of those that you can like read and it just feels like you're reading like a, an amazing book that's just got this narrative going through that just draws you in yeah it's a good answer mm-hmm. I'm surprised I didn't say Jonah for this I, I've mentioned Jonah in most podcasts we've done as being my favorite but it's uh, it's eastery at the moment, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we go on to question one?
3: Yes, I've got a question for today, if that's okay. Um, so I was wondering, when obviously the topic of the Bible is huge, um, but I was thinking if somebody just came up to us, um, probably a non-Christian, uh, came to us and said, "I want to read the Bible," um. I just wondered kind of what advice we would give to them so like i don't know which book would you start with and why um which bits you might tell them to avoid maybe if that's a thing um so yeah just just wondered what your thoughts on that were. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah i i would say start with one of the gospels definitely most people i think there's a stock answer here is the gospel of John, right? Has anyone else heard that to start the gospel of John? And actually probably because it gives this beautiful overview um, that maybe the rest of the gospels don't necessarily give. It starts with that beautiful, like in the beginning Mm. word, the word is of God. And I think it lays out that like lovely overarching narrative of the ministry of Jesus. So probably that's why John, but yeah, I think for me, one of the gospels to just to understand and examine Jesus and the character of God in human form would be, I think, my advice.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I think it's a really good question because I remember growing up the Bible was always presented as basic instruction before leaving Earth. I don't know if you've ever heard that um acronym of the Bible. And I, I guess I just took that, I just accepted that, and now. Can I am
1: sorry have you just got that behind you but I'm now with you basic instruction yeah. leaving earth. I was actually yeah. at the basic part of that because I was like is it basic
0: yeah I, I don't agree with almost any of it <laughs> it's not basic and I'm not sure it's just strictly instructional either but um and leaving earth you know that's a whole nother discussion you know um but yeah that that basic thing I think often we can say the bible you know just pick it up and read it anywhere and I don't think that's helpful you know this is a really complicated book that people have struggled with for thousands of years Um, so yeah it's a great question I totally agree the gospels just reading the life and life and times of Jesus is a great place to start yeah.
3: Do you think that would confuse people though if we didn't start with creation?
2: I think Yeah, I was just about to say like you've Wherever you start, you've got to give the context. Like, you, if you're going to start at the beginning, yeah. then you have to say, well, the Old Testament means this through, with the the lens or the promise of the New Testament. If you start at the New Testament, you've kind of got to explain the Old Testament and the creation and all the rest of it. I, d- I don't think you can start anywhere without, without really properly contextualising it, but then how you do that. I, like, the question mm-hmm. was... If, You know, if you can tell someone for the first time, I think for the first time, I'd say, let me just tell you a little bit about what I believe or what's commonly believed about the Bible as a book. What this bit means, what that bit means, and then this is how it knits together. And then you'll find somewhere to start because wherever you start, then you can kind of figure it out. But. Uh, basic instruction—that's uh, not true at all, is it? <laughs> Let's be honest. No, <laughs> Na- uh, neither no, of those really things isn't. are true. It's like I think it's the most complicated piece of literature ever written. um So yeah, I think that kind of diminishes it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I suppose it also depends on where that person is in terms of like their own journey mm. and their knowledge of what the Bible is, because actually it might be more suitable. I'm thinking actually we do like a wisdom series in school for six farmers and we just do proverbs about how, how is this wisdom literature applicable to life? And by the end of the series, they're like, Oh, this stuff's in the Bible. And then you're like, yeah. And it's really applicable. And it's, you know, it's timeless and it's this, that, and the other. So I think it just depends also on the person, doesn't it? And equally a Psalm might be more mm. suitable for someone's situation. So yeah it's definitely sort of down to the individual experience I think yeah because that's really interesting that
3: basic like the way you do that with the six formers is is to kind of deal with some misconceptions to start with because I guess in a lot of teenagers heads it's like this is a really old book yeah it's not relevant to me it none of it makes sense it's all like spoken in weird language and whatever and actually to be able to show them proverbs in kind of a modern translation or something and be like oh actually no that does apply to my life kind of challenges that misconception to start with so I guess context is important but also kind of misconceptions to do with it
1: as well yeah
2: definitely it's difficult because you don't want to over explain and miss that awe of reading it for the first time do you like you don't want to spoil it almost by over explaining it it comes back in the end um but yeah but because there is some, like, there's a real beauty in understanding something for the first time, and and doing that as part of your own journey. But I think, yeah, there's somewhere there's a middle. Of, thankfully, nobody's asked me that mm. question because I, I'm not sure <laughs> where to start.
0: It's difficult. How about spinning on his head? Then where where would you definitely not tell them to start, or or would you tell them to avoid a certain certain bits? It's
1: the ones with the really long lists.
0: Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of numbers
2: in uh, yeah. the lot numbers, lots of numbers yes. in numbers. Just
1: numbers in Deuteronomy <laughs> and probably be the ones I'd say,
0: <laughs> yeah, revelations Good. as well. I would, I would put Revelation.
1: in there. Could you imagine reading Revelation for the first
3: time?
0: <laughs> I, I struggle with it now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm. But I guess
3: that's an important conversation it's to have different. as well. That, like, like you could say i've been a christian for years and i still yeah. have very limited knowledge so yeah. don't expect to uh grasp it in a year or whatever
0: mm. yeah but I, I guess something we haven't talked about is some of like the old testament stories um like like jonah is one example um and just these these kind of individual things that are quite easy to read all the way through and actually you can you can take lots of different points out of them but they just kind of give you that flavour of who God is. And they don't they don't give you the story of Jesus. But some of those are like they're a lot of the children's stories that we teach, aren't they, in Sunday school? And, um, yeah, I wonder whether that would be kind of a good way in as well.
1: And I think most likely they're the stories that people would remember and recall from being part of like a church, um, you know, Sunday thing, or whatever their experience is, is more likely to probably relate to the Old Testament. I think growing up, certainly I remember, you know, all about Noah and Joseph and Jonah and um, those big stories that you can mm. visualize the illustrations of, but not necessarily, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you very much about Jesus and his disciples.
2: I think that's the, yeah, like, we started out, I immediately thought of, like, where would just- you? to start as in which which book maybe. and uh, if you look at at Genesis for example you've got the the creation and all that that the beautiful stuff at the beginning you've also got like you've got Joseph in there as well which is you know one of those really accessible stories but you've also got Sodom and Gomorrah as well so it's like how do you (laughs) how are you going to separate that out because if you read that just start with Genesis and read that you get three massive different like for me I see a bit of allegory in there maybe that's hmm. heretic for some maybe not like in the in creation story you've got a little bit of um the, the what i'd see as being like the true nature of, of god with the story of of joseph and you've got a little bit of like hellfire and brimstone as well and which however you want to take that so depending on which one you pick out of that you could just, you could read totally different things into who you think god is and if you read it all maybe that could give you What what I think was perhaps a skewed perspective on the the character Mm. of God, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, I get in many ways, you've got to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus, because Jesus reveals God in the most full way that we have. Like when God really chose, Mm. you know, wanted to make himself known and for us to understand him, he became human and actually interacted with us. So we see, yeah, we see God's best through Jesus. So to try and interpret the Bible separately to Jesus, I I think you're kind of doomed to fail in many ways. Um, so yeah, starting in Genesis there would be a would be a quite a hard hard prospect.
2: Yeah, that's the first book, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the way most people start.
0: I, I guess it's worth. Uh, it would be worth having that conversation that actually w- when you pick up the bible you're not picking up a book you're picking up a library of books and there's poetry in there there's stories there's there's all these different types of literature what what do you like to read what what sort of stuff do you connects with you because maybe this is someone who you know loves their poetry and really connects with poetry and they'll then they'll get loads out of psalms won't they if they kind of delve into that um but yeah that that's that that understanding that this isn't just one continuous book it is a collection it's a library isn't it
3: yeah and it's interesting you should say that about kind of like what what appeals to them because also then you've got the whole topic of what translation do you recommend to
2: people
3: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. do you know what i mean like that's just a whole other topic i know but um like how how do we advise on that i don't know
0: yeah, and and every every translation has a different slant in a way as well. They all have a slightly different thing that they're hoping to achieve. I was just talking to my my dad recently about translations, and he mentioned that he had saw he had seen someone had put together like a spectrum of okay, all the different translations, and which ones would fit in like the liberal category, and which would fit in like the very conservative, mm-hmm. and different styles or, or different um, sta- starting points for theology, I guess, and. They all of those are interpreted within that worldview. Um, and I've been uh, re- reading recently, there's a translation, and the, the whole idea of this translation is that he doesn't have any sense of doctrine or theology He um, before... Well, obviously it does, so it's going to be impossible to escape it, but this guy tries to write a translation as if he had no doctrine already in place, or no theology already established. And he tries to do a bit more of a literal thing. And I find that really interesting because how How much of our doctrine have we understood and and learned, and then people who translate Bibles have translated into that doctrine or translated into that that theology rather than the other way around? does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think
2: that mm. makes sense. like the the difference between translations is what well, it's not innocuous, like I think mm. it can totally change the whole meaning of the Bible. Just in, I mean, I spoke about it before that that little bit about pistis Christi or the faithfulness of Christ or faith faith in Christ, yeah. Like that that whole, for me, that that little tiny translation changes the whole of the New Testament. So, and that varies from translation to translation as well. So, it that's it's a really interesting point that long because when you when you boil that down, yeah, I'm going to bring what I believe. The, the correct in inverted commas translation or the most accurate translation is but that's I don't know is that is that a thing is there a more accurate translation or are they just different ways of seeing different truths
1: I would most likely um, recommend a new international version to somebody because I feel like that is a translation that is as down the middle as you could Expect in my experience.
2: It's difficult, isn't it? There's lots of like so much to play. Like you yeah. can pick different bits. And even like the King James, when you've got all the the these and those Like there's something quite poetic, particularly about you know the the poetic books of reading it in that mm. like Victor or like Shakespearean language. Like it's really it yeah. adds a little bit to it. I think.
0: And ultimately, we have to recognize as well that when we read the Bible, we're we we can ask God for his help in that and actually um, although you know we're, we're we're reading something that you know we, we can we can in our in our own minds translate and understand in different ways but if we really you know ask God to be present in our reading and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us then you know well I believe that that will actually help form ideas having said that we've ended up with a church that has 14,000 plus denominations all reading it differently. So it, it, yeah, it's, it's a very hard conversation.
1: We had an interesting, um, issue with a print, with a printing problem at work recently. We'd had the teachings of Jesus printed to go all around school and the students had chosen their top sayings of Jesus and it was printed somewhere, um, I am a good shepherd and there was this whole discussion between the chaplaincy team about whether it should be I am the good shepherd or I am a good shepherd and I mean it didn't matter because it was up there printed like fully plastered and ultimately like the students were not going to know the difference between I am a good shepherd and I am the good shepherd but even just that one hmm. tiny word was enough for, like, you know, some of the chaps to be like, no, he is the good shepherd. Not just a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how, you know, just one one word can change hmm. a meaning.
2: Massively, yeah. And I, I was um, spoken a little bit about, like, the, the context and things like that are, but I, I guess that you, yeah, when you boil it down to, like, a just that micro, like one sentence out of one or one verse out of one chapter out of one book out of, it, it can totally change the whole thing. So then you, you kind of spread that out across 66 books or however many pages. It can, yeah, you can really change the way it's read. I, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but I think for me, like the, the inspiration that the Bible gives uh, and what you can pick out of it in different translations and different words that for me is probably the most powerful part of the bible of of that that reading that has made me think this rather than literally this is what that meant to that one person Mm. and maybe that's how I I, you know I can do the same thing instead of that it's it's like the inspiration of well I have I can appreciate what that's done and perhaps that's made me think X Y and Z. As I say, I think we might chat a little bit about that a little bit later on. But um, yeah, it's it's there's so many different ways to read it in the first instance, let alone the words themselves on the page. It's like it's such a massively complicated thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It makes me really glad that like we've got four accounts of life of Jesus. Um, so although you know the, there are these translation issues we've got you know four times Jesus just to you know really establish what he was like and then we've got a bunch of people writing about Jesus for a long time so they've kind of really emphasised on on what's important in, in that which I think is really cool.
1: I think that's the reason that we all love the Gospels isn't it because actually there's a simplicity in the way that Jesus lived demonstrated um, how to live fully on earth and I think that, yeah, the Bible is really complicated, but there is a simplicity in it, actually. And it's sometimes just taking a step back, isn't it, to see it in its simplicity. But, yeah, I think what Nick was saying leads nicely onto this question. So do you have a particular approach, pattern or method when reading the Bible for yourself?
2: After saying all that, I've only ever read the Bible chronologically. Like i've i've read it i must have read it through 89 times cover to cover and every time i've started chronologically so i've never read it in the order of the books that actually appear in the bible um and i've never started the gospel and come back or started it. i've just read it as it would happen historically um and i don't really know why i just i think to me it made it made more sense as a narrative or as a prose to read it chronologically um, and I think it's helpful in the sense of you can kind of place what happens where and how one thing leads to another leads to another. um But yeah, I, I'm not sure if going back to the previous question, if I'd recommend somebody else to do that because I think it that's I, I've done that with however many years of being within the the culture of the church and growing up with, around it. So, um, but yeah, I think I don't know if anyone else has ever read it chronologically or only only read it a certain way, but. think it's probably unusual
0: can i be honest i've never got through it all (laughs) from front to front to back yeah really struggle with that
1: yeah i i'm the same actually in fact i think it was just um a couple of years ago that my husband Matthew was um reading did the bible in a year just like he did it he like achieved it and every single day and i was just like i don't have the sticking power for the arduousness of that task like at all um I think I've read most of the bible but I definitely haven't read it all and I think that's a conversation that like children at school would ask me like have you read all of the bible I'd be like no actually I've read most of it but there's definitely bits in there that I haven't read um and I think you know it's amazing Nick that you like were up to the task of doing that um, but yeah I'm, I'm with you Ed on that one
3: yeah, I am too, because I feel like it's I've tried it and it's taken the joy out of it for me. Um, a bit like Emily said, just with the onerous task of it. And I have commitment issues. So um I start and then <laughs> it just it just fails. Um yeah, and it kind of just takes the joy out of it and it becomes like a a burden. Can I say that? I don't mean it like a burden, but it yeah, it um it gets difficult. Um but I'm I'm a bit of a methodical person so the way I tend to read the Bible is through like silly acronyms that I've picked up along the way um just because I like a bit of structure because I'm a bit of a control freak um so there's just a couple that I use um and one of them is word so I look at the the word of God that I'm looking at um so I read the passage and then I observe that's the o um So I like write or draw or summarize or um, however creative I'm feeling that particular day. And then I reflect um, on what I feel is being revealed to me in that passage. And then I do some devotions around that. So I tend to pray about it and um, whatever it is that I need to apply to my life. So I tend to read methodically Mm. like that. So I'll read an element of the Bible and then work through it in that way. Because otherwise, I just read aimlessly and it's pointless. So I kind of need to put some structure into what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm. That, I've never heard of that approach before.
3: So that's really interesting. Yeah. So there's that one. And then there's another one, which is soap. Which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Which is pretty much the same thing. Just soap or word. Um. But yeah, that's how I tend to do it.
1: I imagine what you're doing is most naturally the process that I would take but without the acronym. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. I'm I'm quite a spontaneous um organized person. I don't know if you've ever done one of those like I don't know, it's not Myers Briggs, but it's something similar that tells you how disorganized you are. Um in my case. But yeah, no, I'm a spontaneous organized person. So for me it would be I would spontaneously through maybe Um, experience, environment, whatever it is that I'm going through, think, oh, I really think that I need to read this book of the Bible at the moment, and then I would apply myself to that. And then when I'm in the text, usually I would reflect, and it's not written down, I think it's just the way that my mind works. I would reflect, like, what does this passage show, reveal to me about the character of God? Where does the passage speak to me about Jesus? And if it's Old Testament, how does it point towards Jesus? how like what is the emotion of the passage is there context to the passage that i don't know about and therefore i would google like that can be a total rabbit hole um yeah. but <laughs> especially if your only reference is wikipedia but sometimes <laughs> it is just like yeah what's the what's the context behind that um what's the emotion in the scene and in the moment and um and then like where does he speak to my life mm. now I think those are questions that um I ask myself not all at the same time but as I'm trying to explore a text those would be things I should probably write, write those down at some point because it would probably help <laughs> but like I said I'm spontaneous so I can't help I like it. It. <laughs> but if you wrote a book I would definitely buy it okay it's good and, to and know follow that
3: process because I like a process because <laughs> I am not spontaneous thank you for teaching me about myself
0: so I, I'm really not very good at kind of any sort of regularity of, of most things in life. So like, I, I can't, I, I've tried committing into like daily readings with the Bible at a certain time. And I, i might last about a week and then fall away and get distracted. Um, but what I, what I've noticed that I, I do fairly regularly is I like, I like to read other stuff and listen to podcasts and a lot of the stuff I read is kind of books that reference the Bible a lot. And when I'm reading a book that references the Bible, if they kind of say, oh, in this story in Matthew 12, I'll usually have a Bible next to me and I'll open up Matthew 12 and I'll think, okay, let's see if that backs up what they're saying. Let's read the context around it. And that is kind of, in a way, the primary way which I'm reading the Bible is I'm reading what other people have got to say about it and thinking, okay, is that backed up? And then is that, is that there? And usually what I'm flick over to the Bible I kind of just think oh I'll just read the next bit and then that just kind of sucks you into reading the next bit beyond beyond that but yeah I'm really not very good at the kind of devotional sort of commitment to to Bible reading something I maybe that's something I need to work on.
2: For for me it was a Mm. real like discipline to do it I I struggled just to sit down and read a book's not something that I particularly enjoy or would yeah naturally tend to do So I got in, just got into a routine that when I I got up for work in the morning, I'd get into the car and I'd get the Bible up and I'd just get it to read me like a chunk. Um, So there's nothing, there's nothing else going on apart from just listening to the Bible. And once I'd finished that chunk or however it was, it was separated out into like the chronological Bible. So I could, I just worked out that if I did so much a day, it'd work out um, over a certain period of time. And then just Having the radio off and just thinking, well, what is it? I guess we're all kind of following the same pattern, really, but uh, Lauren's nailed down a structure for it. And and uh, I, I can't symp- take credit
3: for that, by the way. <laughs> I, I probably picked it up at a Bible camp or something
2: stupid. I <laughs> think okay, I tend to sympathize with uh, Emily that I'm not very structured or organized. So, well, well, I'm, yeah, just so it's, for me, it was just a discipline to, to get through it. For the first time, I just wanted to get through it and just see. How much of it I knew, how much of it I didn't. Know. It was just a knowledge exercise. Maybe like the second and third time, it was probably consolidating that. And then, then it was like, right, well, what does this actually mean? And I think that's probably gone along with my like journey as well. Like it, it was first of all just acquiring knowledge just to un- understand what it was, and then, then actually understanding what it was. If you know what I mean, like what that actually means in in practical application. And it's, it must have been probably about three or four years since I've read it through and i should probably do it again soon because i think um it totally it'd be totally different again i think i'll probably end up with quite a few um like pin dropping moments as a result of just yeah reading other things or listening to other things similar to you ed um but yeah if if you don't like to read and you listen to this because you don't like to read then just listen to it on the bible app because it's there's a guy with a really nice accent i'll read it to you
1: I, I had a um, throwback, but a CD.
2: <laughs> oh, and wow.
1: What's one of them. No. Oh, well, someone gave it to me, actually. I think it was someone that I worked with, of David Suchet reading the Gospels. And it nice. was so good. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still in the car, actually. But, yeah, I loved that. Like, there's something amazing about hearing David Suchet read it to you.
0: It's funny you say that. I think I heard today that David Suchet, uh, his Easter sermon this year, which is pointless me saying this podcast, because by the time it comes out, Easter's gone. But his Easter sermon is going to be that he's going to read John's gospel just all the way through um, one Sunday morning. And so there you go. If you you want to tune in, you can hear him go at it again. to question three yeah brace yourselves
2: <laughs> so this is my question um and i'm just going to ask it as it says and then not say anymore i normally do a bit of an amble afterwards so to give you time to think about it but i'm just going to check it out there and say the bible is it true
3: yeah <laughs> that's me doing that simple thing that i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you you've got to do so much work around that question to to get a, an answer that means anything <laughs> yeah, There's lots um, of different
2: angles to come at it from yeah which yeah. is why i just want to leave it out there to <laughs> see what you guys where you come from
1: so i think the difficulty is isn't it like the question is um vague thanks Nick, for this. Yeah. but i think that you know if you're going to break it down is it true are there is it true historically are there elements of the bible historically that are true but like, arguably, yes, like the Gospels are made up of documents that we know there is evidence for archaeologically, historically, all of that kind of stuff. Then you've also got, you've got in there like y- your Psalms, you've got in there your Proverbs. Um, and at that point, that's when you start um, realising that it's a library. It's not just one set of <laughs> historical documents. So to ask, is it true? Um there is so much truth in it. That's what I would say is it, there is truth in it. It points to the true way of living and Jesus himself is truth. Um, That's all I've got. Over to the rest Drop of you. the mic, <laughs> off she goes.
0: Yeah. What I Emily said. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was just before I came on reading. The start of John's gospel, you know, where Jesus, well, it's in John's gospel, sorry, where he says, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And, um, you know, I know we haven't included this this question, but I know um, Jacob was asking the question like, you know, do you have to read the Bible to be a Christian? And I was sort of thinking about that. And I was thinking, well, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is the word. The word became flesh and no one no one comes to the Father except through Jesus and therefore Jesus is true. Mm. The word is true. The word is true.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head when you said that there is there is so much truth in it. We we can get so bogged down in did this happen? Like, or did that happen? And I think, you know, there are some key parts that I say, yes, absolutely. I believe that happened. You know, the gospels, they are central to, to a Christian faith and to my faith. I think that I, I believe that you know christ lived died and rose again and uh, but then if you go back to like the old testament say you know did um jonah get swallowed by a whale and i'm i'm bringing up as much as i can i i don't believe on commission. He did uh, yeah yeah i am <laughs> yeah tim keller's got a new book out about jonah so i'm just <laughs> no um no yeah I, do, I don't believe that that happened but does that mean it, it that can't you know lead us into deeper truth does that mean it can't tell us more about who god is does that mean that it doesn't tell us more about what it means to be a human or um all of these things that are really valuable it's like you know picking up your favorite fiction book at, at, for some of these stories and saying you know, is there truth you know it does in a way that doesn't matter what what do you get from it what does it lead you into what what understandings it give you that you didn't have before there are so many more interesting conversations than did that happen
1: <laughs> yeah i think Go on Lauren, I was just
3: gonna say, I to me, it's not important whether it's true or not, it's important about whether it's relevant or not. And I, and I believe it's a living word that God uses, and I think that's the important bit is that it's still being used today, um, to bring people into a knowledge of Him. So, to me, that's what's important.
2: It may, um, be difficult. yeah if if that was an essay question at the end i'd say none of you have answered the question because (laughs) because i agree exactly what you said emma i think if the question was the bible is it truth the answer would be absolutely like unquestionably but is is it true i guess is is different it's a really different question and like you said there's a lot behind that um and i think for me, I think i come down on a similar side to, to what you're saying, Ed, and I think it's probably similar to yourself as well, uh, Lauren, that that the, the ins and outs of the historical accuracy, although it does contain a lot of historical accuracy, I think there's also provable inaccuracies within it. Um, I don't think that's con- too controversial to say. It, if that's important or not, it's not to me, but... But when you're trying to explain that to somebody else, it becomes very difficult. And I think this is a question that that I'm I could see myself being asked, and probably not really figuring out a, a succinct way to say. I'm not sure if it to answer the question shortly. I don't think it's important if it's true or not, but the truth that it contains is the most important part of it. Um. And that that can open up so much because it, the question if I'm looking at you from the other side, which I always try to do, if someone's hammering me and say, "How do you know that this this is true? How do you know that this is truth when a lot of it's provably false and inverted commas um or or inaccurate, that becomes then then you've got the answer to the question, well, if that's not accurate then and this is how do you determine between the two or how do you look at each side of it? with a different lens, which I know you said earlier, Emily, a really nice phrase of, of it being a library. And I think that's where that kind of comes in, but trying to explain that's really difficult. I find it difficult, particularly if I'm talking to non-Christian friends about, you know, the, the Bible itself, particularly if they're feeling that way out and they just want to have an argument about, you know, well, Lord, this is, is nonsense, as they say, then trying to be prepared for that, that question really difficult. So it, it was a, it was a purposefully provocative question.
1: No, that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, like when I was just watching you, because you obviously asked this question, and then you just sat back with this little smile on your face, like watching <laughs> us all flounder. <laughs> <like>, that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that guy. Again. <laughs> yeah. Took a
2: grenade and run.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that that this. Is widely disputed amongst Christians, isn't it? So, like, we're kind of given our opinion on it, but there is a huge range of of beliefs about the Bible, and that you kind of get a camp that say it is totally inerrant is one of the words that they'd use. So there is no errors throughout it; it is all absolutely true. And fundamentally, you, the fundamentalist reading of it is that it is it happened. Everything happened in the Bible, like like the Bible says it did. And that, like, we're kind of all of us are members of the Savish Army, and that's not the direction that the Savish Nami comes from, but other Christians do come from uh, uh, that direction. So I've just looked up our doctrine, uh, the Savish Nami, on the Bible, um, and I think it's quite helpful. It says, We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments were given by inspiration of God, and that they, are, they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. And I think that that line given by inspiration of God that inspired by God, literally God breathed is a really um, helpful way of understanding it because that doesn't claim this is a historical record book of of a series of events. It's saying this is a document, this is people's experiences of God that has been inspired, breathed by God and has actually, you know, this can lead you into truth. It doesn't make claims about um, dates or or some, there are some dates it, but it doesn't make really like factual historical claims all throughout the whole book there are times where it does we're talking general generalities here which is difficult but yeah it is that thing that can lead us into a deeper understanding of god because it is inspired by him rather than being yeah something that he has literally written himself and handed to to humanity
2: Yes, yeah, it, it, that's become a controversial thing, particularly if 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 you're having a conversation with someone who, who believes it is the inherent word of God or it is infallible, it it, it becomes it, it's it's seen as though you're taking the other side again. Inverted commas, that, that that you know, if if that's not the case, then what what is it? I think that's the question to answer. Like, if it's not entirely infallible, then well, then what is it? And, that, and once you wrestle with that and come to some sign some kind of understanding of of that what it is then it gives you a whole totally different way of reading it a totally different way of understanding it and a totally different way then of living it out whereas if you just read it as these are the experiences of other people and i'm doing my thing that's that's just a it's just a history book isn't it and then and and not a very good one if we're if we gonna go through there's inaccuracies in it so um which i I don't think it is and i think there's there's so much beauty in um in stories and in, um yeah like like particularly talking about like the um creation story and like how it might might be seen as allegorical rather than literal Mm. uh i think there's so much more beauty in that that like it, it prompts thinking of a little bit more like like ethereal thinking rather than just trying to nail it down to where human and we think on this line and it must be that it kind of prompts you into thinking of something else, something else out there rather than insular ACA, yeah, I guess it's thinking outwards rather than thinking inwards. Um, and that's been really helpful for me. But, I, but originally, I think I've probably, I grew, grew up around that sort of thinking of, you know, you can't really criticize the Bible because it's the Bible. Um, but I think truth is, if you criticise truth, it'll always be true. So you can criticise it as much as you like.
1: I like that. I think I think you're right there, and I think that there's definitely you've sort like of that. touched upon this this issue of like Christians fighting among themselves about what the Bible is. And you know, I hate the I hate the phrase used. You know, can we still be Bible believing Christians if? And then they go on to you know say about how. You know, our cultures are changing and it's shifting and now we're not Bible-believing Christians. And I think, oh, like, aren't you just using that phrase to actually get somebody to align with your own legalistic view and mentality? And is that kingdom thinking? No, I don't think it is. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a huge topic, isn't it, even for Christians among themselves to agree on. And I think conversations and dialogues like this, really, that are the way that it, it needs to sort of happen even among Christians well what do you believe the bible is and also which which bits of the bible do you really struggle with i think that thing about um about truth i have a proverb on my like cover photo on my social media that says as water reflects the face so one's life reflects the heart and um after i put that i got a couple of messages actually from like friends that didn't have a face that said oh, I really love that quote on your cover photo. And I was like, oh, it's from the Bible. And they were like, oh, it's really true. And I think that we've moved towards this culture of sharing quotes that have so much truth in them that actually are quite close to scripture, but they've almost been twisted so they're more digestible. But actually, if you examine words that people share, there's truth in them, because I think that there's truth in scripture, which is eternal, which many people don't even realize comes from the Bible. And I love that. It That makes it easy when sharing faith, because mm-hmm. you can be quoting Proverbs to them and them not even know that you're speaking the word of God into their lives. And yeah, that's an amazing thing.
0: Yeah, that that phrase <laughs> Bible believing Christians, I find so problematic um, just because you know so many there are so many ways ways of reading the bible it's it's a doc it's a book that has been used to justify slavery and to end it to start wars and to stop them it's something that you you can read whatever you want into it if you want if you choose to so it yeah it it can cause huge problems for us as a christian community but i love what you say there about the, the truth the truth in it rings out for people doesn't it and i love that that story of just sharing a proverb and it resonating with people that like you don't have to go far on instagram to see people sharing inspirational quotes that come from whoever but the bible has got a lot to say to our culture hasn't it absolutely
2: definitely i think my response to if someone asked me that it, can can we be bible believing christians my response would be just explain what you mean by bible believing christian because that's the crux to it isn't it and and i think sometimes people took out these phrases thinking that it's not going to come under any scrutiny at all but actually if you understand what do you mean by that because i i'm a bible believing christian i believe in in the in the truth of the bible but i, I also believe a lot of things that would be deemed very controversial by even by like liberal thinking uh christian so i think that's that, yeah, nailing down, what what do you mean by that? And like you say, Emily, it can be used as an excuse for bigotry, essentially.
0: I'm not sure it's how I would choose to identify as well. Like, I'm a Christian because I follow Jesus. Mm. That That is, first and foremost, that's all of it. I, I identify as someone who's following Jesus. The Bible helps me do that. But I don't worship the Bible. I worship Jesus, and I will follow Jesus. And the Bible will really align me with that way but it is not the focus of my faith it's something that is there to help and to inspire and to guide um but yeah that we i think often it's made to be well this is really controversial but it can become the object of worship in some sense yeah and that's that's another maybe another conversation because that's problematic as well but yeah. I'm just
1: remembering a time where I was speaking to a student about something and I, and, and so, some kind of quotation rolled off the tongue and I couldn't remember whether it had been spoken by Dumbledore or by Jesus. <laughs> and I, like, yeah. said to that, I said to this student, like, oh, that's so good, isn't it? I think that might have been in the Bible. I think that's from the Bible. And they were like, mm, I think it's from Harry Potter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well... Yeah. <laughs> Both very wise people. They, I, I mean, I love them though.
2: It's a really important like distinction, though, because I, I think sometimes it, it, it can be seen that the the Bible has the monopoly on like being uh, and uh, inspired by God. Whereas I think this so you can read anything and and take some and learn something from it. Although you know you've got a little bit more of a it's closer to the pulse I guess your, your argument would be with it being the life and times of Jesus but I think like the life and times of some other people and how they glorify God through what they've done are, are, can be learned from as well and can be inspirational so I don't think the although the Bible is probably I'd say was would be the most important book um, to help with Christian living I wouldn't say it was the only one by a long stretch, and I think actually sometimes you can make sense out of one through a lot of others, um which is probably what, what you were saying earlier Ed, about listening and reading around other things. But,
1: but and we just have to remember, don't we, that different people reading the Bible are reading it from different experiences, different socioeconomic experiences, different cultural hmm. experiences, different, different ethnicities, and how they interpret and the Bible. It changes. It changes, and do you know God has this amazing kaleidoscope way of making us each only have a fragment of being able to see the world through his eyes in our own way and through our own lens and yet there is still so much fundamental truth in the bible that actually is applicable in all those settings and in all those demographics that's why it's amazing it's just this Mm. text i think
0: yeah it'd be a shame if it if it only said one thing to every person who read it in a way because it it, ca- it can reach into the lives of anyone who reads it regardless of where that and where that's where it are.
3: stops being a book and starts being the living word isn't
2: it? so i think that's all we've got time for today so thank you so much for listening um please do get involved in the listener group on facebook you'll find that at ssom listener group i believe if you just search for that group uh, it'd be great to hear what you think about all the things that we've spoken about or if there's anything that you think we might have missed and until next time see you later bye, bye. <laughs> there we go